We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Did you finish Did you that? Did that? We're about, one half, we're about halfway there. We're just saying that he's off to a nice start. Why does it have to be all or nothing all the time? Like, what am I doing? I'm doing it for the show. Field of 68 till I die. This is the Field of 68 After Dark Show, the only place that you need to be for college hoops every single night. Here on the Field of 68 After Dark, after tonight, the next time that you are going to see us is going to be after actual college basketball games have been played. And honestly, I cannot wait because all of this preseason stuff, all these predictions. incorrect. We haven't announced that yet, my good sir. So until you want to announce that, if you want to make that, that official announcement now, then go ahead. Until then, next time you see us, is going to be after actual college basketball games are played. That guy that you just heard cutting me off is Jeff Goodman, Stadium Insider. We have Robbie Hummel. The last time that you're probably going to see him on the field of 68 uh, for a while, he's got, uh, what do you have, four rounds of golf that you got to play? No, I just am going to, I'm going to quit. <laughs> That's what I'm going to do. I'm and we kidding. got my uh, my partner in crime over on the DTF podcast, Terrence Oglesby. Uh, everybody knows him by now. This is our All-American show. We're going to be breaking down our uh, each specific All-American teams. Uh, we have interviews with Jaime Jaquez coming up. We have an inter- interview with Armando Baycott coming up. Uh, we're going to be talking about how each of us view and how we put together our All-American teams. Uh, but before we get into all of that, um, we named the Almanac this year, the year of the big, but the Almanac, by the way, you can go buy it. It's in the link in the description below, 1999. We spoke to every single Division One head coach to put this thing together. It was 600,000 words, 814 pages. Jeff printed it out. It's literally as big as his head when you stand all the papers up next to each other. Um, but we called it the year of the big because all of these big men came back. We have all of these great uh, seven footers, all these great centers in college basketball. And Robbie, I haven't heard you talk about this yet. So I'm kind of curious, is this... This influx of big men that are still here because NIL is more profitable than what they can get playing professional basketball, right? Is that a good thing for college basketball? Is that a bad thing for college basketball? Is it setting the sport back? How do you feel about all of this talent uh, at the five spot coming back into the sport? I don't care if it's talent at the one, two, three, four, five. If talent is coming back, it is good for college basketball. Um, I, I think it's you're going to see guys – throw the ball inside and and that's fine. I mean, as long as there's good dudes that, that are playing at a high level, who cares? I think it's great for the game. I think NIL has allowed us to bring back guys that never would have come back had it not been for that. And I, I think it's, it's great for college basketball. I, I don't see any way that you would say this is bad for the game, having good players come back. 
you're, you're looking at you're talking to a guy, a Big Ten guy too. So who loves the big man? <laughs> that whole conference loves the big man. Now, recognizable faces for college basketball is a good thing. I, I think that's pretty obvious in saying so. Sheboy coming back, Drew Timmy coming back, all these big men. It it adds what people have been clamoring for. Like I, I've heard so many people say, I don't recognize the guys year to year. Well, now you're starting to get that back with NIL back in the picture. And I think it's good for college basketball overall. Uh, the fact that it's big men, I, I think, changes the game a little bit. And basketball is always evolving. So I think in time, you're going to see that change as well. It's just a matter of what happens at the level above, because I think that dictates everything that you're going to see at the collegiate level. Yeah, I think it's the recognizability, right, Jeff? We have name brand players in college basketball for the first time that aren't freshmen for the first time in a long time, whether it's reigning uh, National Player of the Year, Oscar Sheway, whether it's someone like Hunter Dickinson, who plays for one of the biggest brands in the sport in, at, at Michigan, whether it's Armando Baycott and all of the guys that came back in North Carolina. There are people that – there are players that people in the general public and not just college basketball nerds like us, that the general public recognize. And that's big. You need that in college basketball. You do. The, the only thing is it's at a position which isn't the most riveting position for people to watch. That's the only thing I would say is like, yes, it's great. All these guys are back, but there's a reason that they're back. They're plotting bigs for the most part, some of which have gotten better already, a la Hunter Dickinson. It's stepping out a little bit, some of which hope to get better. Trace Jackson Davis being one of those, Oscar Shibway of stepping out a little bit. But, yeah, I mean, listen, it's great we have them back. I'd rather have some of those other, like, really talented wings come back, but we're never going to see that. Is the game worse, Jeff, because those guys came back? Are you, oh man, like it's so no. bad that Hunter Dickinson came back? Hell no, no, no. The game's not worse uh, until maybe the NCAA tournament when uh, those guys have a lot of trouble guarding some of those. Yeah. Uh, but does that does that make the game worse? How is that worse? Yeah, yeah. No, it, no, I think I it creates think chances worse. for upsets. No, I'm not saying like, it's worse. I'm your boy Hunter it, Dickinson, who you've just been uh, just ragging on nonstop. Um, he made it to the Sweet 16 last year. Not a bad run, he right? Did. He did as an eleven as an eleven seed. But the, I thought the, I thought big men could win. The bigger question, the bigger question is, again, do those guys give you a chance to go deep in the NCAA tournament, or again, you know, look at Kofi Coburn the last couple of years. Look at Oscar last year. You know the matchups. Okay, but you could flip that. Look at Armando Baycott. He's in the national championship game. Oh, True. but he has good guards. I, I agree. But but you can't that's you can't blame Shibway for Kentucky's loss. Maybe their guard should have played better in that game. Didn't he have he had a pretty good hey, game? I, I he was like. great. He was great. Good, Goodman awesome. Goodman could do whatever he wants, man. I'm playing devil's advocate. That's all I'm <laughs> you're doing. making dumb arguments, what you're doing. <laughs> I'm just arguing with you. That's idiot. normally my job, man. Come on. Stop stepping on my toes over here. All right, so uh, do you think this trend, T.O., is something that is going to change, or is this kind of here to stay that the big men are going to rule college basketball? As long as they're not the most important people in the NBA, I think it's going to continue that way. You look at the NBA, it's a copycat league. What was it, 15 years ago, Robbie? It was still – you still had positions. Now yep. the Warriors went to positionless basketball, and they've completely flipped the game on its head. So what becomes more valuable in the NBA draft? It's these big, skilled wings. No longer the bigs. Like, if you look at Hunter Dickinson, if he was being drafted in 1998, the dude's going, what, top 10, top 12? Skilled yep. lefty big that can really pass the ball out of the post? I mean, 
Like, I mean, he's getting better at that. That's kind of where that happens. Now, once Steph Curry and all those guys get out of the way and they finally retire, I feel like Steph could play until he's 45 because he just stays in such great shape. But like, as soon as something changes, maybe Joel Embiid takes over the game. Maybe uh, a center takes over the game that we haven't heard of yet. It's going to continue to be the same thing because they just don't hold that same level of value. I think that's a great point by T.O. right there. And I think that if you think about Shaquille O'Neal, let's say there's a Shaq out there, you know, right. going to be here in 2037. And you're going to have to guard him. It's going – but, like, right now, all the bigs, they there's not great back-to-the-basket players. There's a couple, but there's nobody like Shaquille O'Neal or Akeem Olajuwon that's just going to put you well, in the basket Rob, and Robbie, let me ask you this. Like let, let me flip that on you because I don't – I'm torn on this. Is it because the, the Warriors went small ball that everything changed, or is it because small ball was the best way to capitalize on the way to beat basketball in the sense that you want to take threes – and layups and free throws and, and the, the way to be the most efficient team. Yeah, analytics, I think, yeah. played a big role in that, right? I, I feel like. I think analytics really changed that narrative that, okay, we need to have a, a seven-footer. But but also on top of that, I think teams play to their personnel. And I think about even when I was in the NBA, I think the best back-to-the-basket score at that point was Zach Randolph. And he's a good, really good pro, but he wasn't Shaq. You know, he wasn't right. Hakeem. And with Shaq, think about if the Warriors came out and were like, you know what? We're going to guard him with Draymond Green. <laughs> that would be insane. Draymond's 6'5", six, 6'6", six, six, probably. I think he's around that, that size. But still, you, you're just not going to do that. So I, I think that that's changed. And I, I do think that if a guy comes along that is physically dominant and a dominant scorer in the post, the teams will have to adjust, not abandon the, the way they play now, but you don't have to have bigger players on the floor to, to guard a guy like that. Yeah, and Jeff, I think part of it is the way to win a championship in, in the two sports is different, right? In the NBA, you have to win a seven-game series. You have to be the better team. It, it's very rare that you see upsets in the NBA. The, the better team normally wins, whereas in college basketball, you just got to get it one time. So you might have a guy like a Kofi Coburn who is a great regular season player, but you put him against Loyola Chicago or you put him against whoever they got picked off by uh, last season, and he can get exposed, and then you lose, and your season's They're done. Not used to playing against St. Peter's. They haven't played those smaller teams probably uh, in, in a while as well. Yep, especially right, so when wanna... you play some of those low major teams, and you go up against an Oscar Sheboy. Well, he has obvious deficiencies guarding out on the perimeter. What happens? They use him, his guy, as the screener every time, and he has a hard time getting out. There. There. Whenever you play some of these smaller, low major teams like a St. Peter's, they have a bunch of different guys who can make shots. And if he can't cover the ball screens, they're hitting a bunch of different, they're getting easy ones. And if you're hitting shots for one night, you can win. Kentucky beats them nine out of 10 times, but because the tournament's the way it is and the way that you can take advantage of some of these bigger players, a la Hunter Dickinson, a la uh, even Drew Timmy for that matter, the way you can take mm -hmm. advantage of some of these guys, it leaves you susceptible for one game. Yep. In fairness um, to Illinois, they lost to Houston, who had Josh Carlson. Yeah. Yeah, good point. Yeah. yeah. But the, the Kentucky one, yes, absolutely. I, I was talking more about Illinois two years ago. Yeah. That, that's what I was referencing was the uh, when they were the, the ones in the Loyola-Chicago matchup. Um, all right. So there are there's a glut of great bigs in college basketball. So I want to ask you guys this. One, let's start with this. Who is the best big guy for you? I know Oscar Shire is the, the reigning – um, national player of the year. But if you had to pick one of the great big men in college basketball, is he going to be the first guy that you pick? Uh, Goodman, I'm going to you first on this one. Yeah, I mean, he's got to be. 
right? I mean, you know, if you think about so now, what, I'm not saying to pick to be player of the year. I'm saying to if you're building a team right now, is, is Oscar Sheewe the first guy that you pick? Yes, yes, he is because of how hard he plays. That's the other part for me is he plays so damn hard. He, he rebounds so well outside of his area too. Like he just, he's relentless. And, and I think in part also, we're going to see a little bit of a different Oscar this year. Um, not a guy who's going to go out and, and jack threes, but I think he's going to be allowed to do a little bit more uh, from 15, 18 feet. And he is a relentless worker on and off the court. So I, again, yeah, I, I just think he proved it last year. He was so damn good. And I love the fact that the other thing is like, you don't have to really run much for Oscar. He's going to, he's just going to go get the damn ball. Like you do run it for him, obviously, because again, he can be a matchup nightmare down there. Nobody can really stop him. Um, but ultimately you don't have to, he can, he can just go get it. Uh, and, and again, he, he's got that kind of intimidating factor now. Yeah, I got a hot take for you guys. Robbie and T.O., either one of you guys can weigh in on this. I would not take Oscar probably in like the top five or six picks in college basketball this year for the simple argument of positional scarcity, right? There's not a lot of good guards. There's a ton of good big guys. So why, if you're doing a draft, why would you take Oscar Sheboy number well, one? We did this. Humble, like, right. Hummel and I did this, and we didn't take him. I think I took him with like the third or fourth pick. Yeah, we drafted. We both drafted point guards with our first two picks because there, there was two that we wanted to take. So. So I agree with you. There's a ton of bigs. I'm saying if you're going to ask me like who I'm going to start my team with, what what big do I want? Like, am I am I taking Marcus Sasser over Oscar? Only because, like you said, there's there's a, a, a ton of depth at that big man spot. But ultimately, Oscar Shibwe is still going to be the guy that you're saying to yourself, like, I trust him. I tr I know what I'm going to get out of Oscar every single night. I don't know that out of even Marcus Sasser. Yep. Robbie T.O., you guys agree? Is he the best big guy in college basketball this year? Go ahead, I think T.O. if you're picking, if you're picking like one guy to start your team with, I would flirt with taking Trace Jackson Davis because I think like he can guard fives on the other end, but at the same time, he's quick enough and can face up and he's quick enough to get past some of those bigger fives and he can also guard some different spots. I would flirt with that, but I think because he plays so hard, he just clean, he, he eats rebounds. Like the dude is on every, he's in every play. Even if he doesn't get it, he's tipping it somewhere. He just plays so hard. He's just such a tone setter. I think that's a big time. But if I'm looking at a team, I'm thinking about potentially thinking uh, Trace Jackson Davis just simply because of his mismatch against some of these other great bigs, right? Mm -hmm. I will go Drew Timmy. This dude's 90 and seven. 90 and seven in his college career is his record in, in, in three years. Averaged 18 and six, three assists. I, I think he makes life for your guards so much easier with his ability to short roll and, and then go make plays, spray it out. His footwork is amazing. He can score in the post. I, I get that he's not a great shooter, but I just think he's a winner. So if, not that your guys he was picks playing are wrong. In the SEC, if he was playing in the SEC, his name would be Tolu Smith. Oh my God. No, it's not. Wow. <laughs> I well, disagree. I'm just saying, like, I, do not I agree don't with think, that. Like, I don't think what he's doing. I don't think what he's doing. You know what he's averaging like, in NCAA tournament games? Tell me. He is averaging 22, 8, and 3. And that is good. in nine NCAA tournament games. Yeah. That's at the highest okay. level of sport. Now, they've been one seed, so you, had, you do have a 16 thrown in there. 
And but dude, this guy's playing the final four. They, they've been there. They've they've won so much. Tolu Smith, yeah. that is offensive to Drew Timmy. I can't believe I, I can't believe I just called him help, but I was I had that one loaded. I just oh, had that man. one loaded. I couldn't I mean, help, I just, but I had to use it. This dude's a two-time <laughs> consensus but he, all American. But here's the thing, like you could, hey, Robbie, like if you would have played eight years at Gonzaga, I wonder how many points you would have scored. No, I no, I I do agree, but they load up their non-conference schedule, and then they win in the tournament. Now, did yeah. they, you can make the argument their road is a little bit easier because, but you they still have beaten good people. Yeah, I, I also mean, felt like he got exposed against other really good fives. Not the greatest He's not. A, he's not a great defender. Like if there's a flaw with him, it's that he's not a rim protector, and I don't know if he's necessarily going to be the guy that you want guarding Hunter Dickinson or Armando Bacot. Do you feel like any of these guys are? Like, do you uh, feel like? Ben, I mean, great. other than none Derek Lively, who's not. A, he's a freshman. We haven't seen him play. Armando Bacot, Oscar Shibway, Drew Timmy. How much better is the rim protection with those other two guys? It's not it's, like they're it's not. There's a reason why they're, that's why they're in college. Yeah, that's why they're in college right now. Speaking right, of which, Armando Baker, I do want to give him a shout out. <laughs> we're yeah, talking about yeah, that's what I'm saying. Um, yeah. uh, speaking of Armando Baker, I do want to give him uh, his flowers because he, I don't know if there's a tougher dude, right? Like, I, I love a lot of these other bigs, but after seeing what that dude played through with the, the ankle in the national title game and still putting up a double double in the first half, that dude's a warrior. I want him on my team, uh, any team that I put together. I also want him on this show. So we are going to go to that interview. Uh, our Randolph Childress was able to get with Armando Baycott uh, earlier this week. Last year, you guys started out to 12 and six, right? You're three and three in the ACC. And of your six losses, man, you guys got out the gate to struggle. Five were 20 point losses. I had your next game. You guys had Virginia Tech at home. So I remember that practice supposed to start. It was a little late. Yeah. You guys got out there with it. What changed? Uh, I would say after we lost to your guys, uh, Wake Forest, I mean, it was a tough one. And we came into that game fired up. Like, you couldn't have told me we was going to lose that game. And it was just, I mean, you know how it is at Wake Forest. I mean, they get up for that game. And the fans, like, even before the games in the stands, we could see, like, the different chants and stuff they had made for uh, the fans to like shout at us. So we were like fired up. We like, man, we definitely ready to go out here and smack them. And then they just came out and they smacked us. And then like after that, they, we just was like came together and just like we got to draw a line after that because we just thought that was just embarrassing just to go down to Miami like that then to respond and lose like that. But I mean, I would say a lot of it just came from just us just changing how we played too. Because I think Coach Davis did a good job of just really refining our whole offense and just change, completely scrapping everything and changing during the middle of the season, but also just defensively too. I think we just got so much better in just a short amount of time during those time periods. Finish up 12-2. You guys go 12-2 to the rest of ACC play. We know how the season finished up. Let's get back to, I want you to finish this sentence for me. North Carolina is the national champion if... <laughs> Going back to last year, going back to the national championship game, North Carolina is the national championship if what? How would you finish that? If I don't get hurt, 100%. I agree. I agree. I agree. I'm pretty sure I already know that motivated you. I don't even need to pick on you man, about that. I 100%, know. though, man. It was just tough just, you know, not being able to put out the best product that I can. I mean, I try, but, I mean, I definitely think. We won that game. Even you go down to the last play and just like how I slipped, I thought I had a good angle at the basket. And I thought I was going to score it. And then 
I just slipped. I don't even know what happened. And then they go down the next play and they get that rebound. And rebound is something we hung our heads on, especially on the defensive end. And I know a lot of that was because of me and me not being out there. It's kind of ironic, I guess, that we lost on a rebound. You obviously get a chance to redeem that. So I, I, we're not worried about that. Now we got, let's talk about the rivalry. Where does, where does you, you ending on the team, ending Coach Cakes run that dude? Where does that rank in your, in your history of basketball? What is that, how, do, how does that feel to be on the team? I know that rivalry. Yeah. Everyone knows it. It's, it's probably the best rivalry of any sport, collegiate athletics. You're a part of it. You guys played the Dragons, so to speak, in that rivalry and ending Coach Cakes, beating him early in the year in Cameron. And finishing it in the final four. How did, how did that feel? How did that rank for you guys? I mean, this is a crazy experience. Like, people still won't let it go. Like, we kind of at the point now where we're kind of over it. But, like, people still won't let it go. And, I mean, yeah, it was very significant. And it was a huge win. But, I mean, a lot of people say that the rivalry is over. But I'm, like, completely disagreeing with that because, I mean, there's so many great <laughs> players and teams that have been a part of this rival. And I just think it's just, like, I guess kind of disrespectful to say that the rivalry is over. I think it is a new chapter that's opening with just the two new coaches and – the new faces and just the new era of college basketball in general, I definitely think is different. But, I mean, it's definitely cool that we want because I guess it'll always get those fans, UNC fans, just, you know, can always hang that over Duke fans' heads, especially, like, let's say if they beat us a few times. Obviously, when I'm gone, not while I'm here. But, you know, you can always kind of go back to that. And I feel like that's definitely something that people are going to try to use. But, I mean, it's going to be a fire. It's going to be fired up this year when we play Duke. I mean, we beat them two times, Final Four and Coach K's last game, so they definitely going to be coming to play. And Coach Shy, he's a great coach, and they got a great team. So, Last question. North Carolina will win the national championship this year. Tell me why. We got the experience, and it's our destiny. Enough for me. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Armando Baycott is the best. I am a big fan of him. We're going to pivot here. We're going to talk a little bit about point guards. Uh, for my money, um, I'm going to do first on this one. I think that Marcus Sasser is the best point guard, the best lead guard, the best scoring guard, the best shooter. However you want to phrase it, he is the best guard in college basketball. Tell me why I'm wrong. Well, just because I think he can score in such a variety of ways. You know, he's got a big time shot and he can get it in so many different types, whether it's off the bounce, he could come off screens. With the guard situation at Houston, he's going to be able to maybe play off some of those other guys with Tremont Mark, Jamal Shedd. Those guys are really good in their own right. So I think they only help him. But to get him back, I mean, he he 
had a terrific summer, played his way into the combine because he played so well at the G League combine. I know he was with priorities rookies, or priority sports rookies in Chicago and got to spend time with some of those dudes like Keegan Murray and, and some of the guys they had. Um, but I just think he's a big-time player, and I think that there's also a lack of, of quality depth at the point guard position. The only other guy that I'd maybe even put up there is, is Kendra Davis. And I think that it's kind of a question mark with his fit at Memphis. So I, I do think that Marcus Sasser is the best point guard in the country. Yeah, when when they're saying Kendrick Davis or Marcus Sasser, I think that my point is made, right, Jeff? Yeah, I mean, it's not it's not overpowering by any means at the point guard position. Probably the weakest I've seen it in 30 years uh, of covering college basketball. But that doesn't mean there aren't a lot of good ones. And the position has obviously changed where we're trying to even debate whether Marcus Sasser is a point guard. In the I don't think he'll play much. I don't think he'll play that much point. I think Jamal Shedd's going to be their point. Right. That's where right. I was actually going to go with this. He's not a point. It's like, yeah, he, he's not. He's not a point. He's more up. He'll play more off the ball. Um, to me, the guy that I might say is is the one I would take because I think he does everything. And you guys can kill me for it if you want. R.J. Davis. I just I trust him. He was so good the second half of the year. And, and Baycott was great all year. But the difference for me with North Carolina was R.J. Davis. And he is a – he can be a true point guard. He can score if you need him to. He defends. He's a leader. He's got the intangibles. I, I just – to me, for my money, if I'm trusting somebody with the ball in their hands this year, I think I'm trusting R.J. Davis. Would you take R.J. Davis or Curbelo? <laughs> I was waiting for somebody to say that. Uh, did you pick Carbello for, for your All-American team this year? For, yeah, for, no, I, he's not on my team this year. But I'm, he didn't I'm make first team All St. John's for Jeff this year. To uh, I, I think it's really interesting because R.J. Davis, to me, based on the public perception, is probably the most underrated player in college basketball. He didn't make the make. Uh, the Kuzi Award list. He didn't make the Jerry West Award list. I don't know who was making those damn lists, but if you don't think that R.J. Davis is one of the top 40 guards in college basketball, you're not allowed to have a college basketball I think Norlander. I think Norlander made it. I blame Norland. Well, here, here's here's another issue too. It kind of goes back to what we're talking about with Sasser. Like, what what are point guards and two guards and pigeon? You, you got to pigeonhole certain guys to be at certain positions, right? Like, that's the problem. Like they had Caleb Love listed as a point guard. Caleb Love's not a point guard. Mm-hmm. North Carolina got better last season whenever they took the ball out of Caleb Love's hands, gave it to RJ, and let him initiate offense and let Caleb Love play off the catch a little bit more. Now. What happens? He gets a rhythm. He gets better shots and he hits massive shots like he did against Duke in the final four. Uh, I I looked at it. I I had RJ Davis on my list too. I I think Marcus Sasser, I'll be honest, guys, spoiler alert. I didn't pick him for all American. The reason I didn't is because he was hurt all that the whole back half of last year. That being said, I got three other ones that I think at least need consideration. I think Keontae George is a dude at Baylor. I think if there's one freshman that could come out and you look back in March, Robbie, I think you'll agree with it. You look back in March, you're like, man, this dude. You remember he that game against point? Kansas where he had LJ Cryer play no, that too. Flagler will play the point. Flagler will be the point. Well, it's going to be like they had, the two there too. It's like, going to be like, like what they had. That's with what's uh, so good about Baylor. That's what's so good about Baylor this year. They got three yeah. guys that can bring it up and initiate. But I think, think when Keontae's, push comes to shove, but Keontae's more off the ball. I, I know he's intelligent. He can make good decisions, but you're not going to. He's not going to be a primary ball handler. Whenever I saw him play, he played with an, on the Adidas circuit. When it came down to the last four or five minutes, he's so competitive, he takes the ball out of other people's hands. Like, that's going to happen. 
So he's your he's your decision maker at the end of the game, and he can make things happen with the ball in his hands at the end of the game. It's like going to be these passes he makes are second and third level passes. Yeah, it's going to be exactly like what Baylor was in the 2021 season when they won the I national title. When they had um, it was Jared Butler was their point guard and Davian Mitchell was their off guard and Macy Otigo was playing the the small forward position. But it's like they had three guards that can all do the same thing that can all come off of ball screens that are all a little bit better at different aspects of it but they all can be put into one two three spots and that's why the offense is going to be able to work the way that it works um robbie who is oh i got two more uh, what about i mean two more you got tiger campbell at ucla who during ucla's run a couple of years ago he was their steady everlasting presence no matter what and then severe wheeler can't shoot it at all but look at what his numbers were offensively. If we're talking about traditional pure point guards, and that was a question, he's got to be up there. He's got to I mean, be up there. He's he's good. I would not have severe. I, yeah. You can't have a guy on an all-American team that you can scheme out of being. Um, uh, he was third. Of, what was he third in the country in assist? Yeah, he puts up great numbers. At, but I at listen, Kentucky. Listen, at Kentucky. Wait, at the end of the year, you can make an argument this year that Severe Wheeler could be coming off the bench and Casey Wallace could be their starting point. I don't think it's going to happen, but all I'm saying is if he can't make shots and you're going to play him with Oscar and Oscar can't make shots, and we'll see if but that Poppin, goes again. Like, what is a point guard? What is well, a point guard? He's a traditional right point guard. Obviously, he's an old school point guard. But like Rob's saying, if you can't shoot the ball from 15 feet consistently, you can't put – you cannot be pushed. And, and and I was guilty of that with Curbelo last year, among other things, with the concussions. Shut up, Homo. Shut up. Um, <laughs> I love the Curbelo pick by Jeff. It was so freaking bad. He got hurt. <laughs> <laughs> he did get hurt. He did get hurt. I can't no, wait. But, but the, here's, here's the thing. If I you're wouldn't lean towards the other three, though. Curbelo come back this year. If you're going to pick a point guard that can't shoot, right, like T.O. just did, we should probably point out that Severe Wheeler shot, what was it, 40% from three during SEC play, 38%. Well, Andre Corbello was five for 31 from three as a freshman. But I'm Goodman is like, you can't pick Corbello's a point guard thing. that can't shoot first team All-American. I got your back, T.O., all right? Don't hey, go, go into the Tyre Campbell thing, and I, I think Tyre Campbell is a point guard. I do wonder how much point he will play because of Amari Bailey. Uh, they've talked about moving him off the ball. I, I'm not saying it'll be all the time, but I do think it'll be some of the time. So here's here's what I though. think about that. You need two guys that can both be um, creators off the bounce to be yeah, able to totally, in college totally. basketball. Look at look at over the years, the last 13 years. I think the only team that didn't have two actual point guards on the floor that won the national title was 2018 Villanova, and they had Jalen Brunson and a bunch of guys that could play make off the bounce. Um, so I think that that brings me to my next point. If we're talking best backcourts, right, the best uh, duo, the best three-headed monster, however you want to phrase it, who are the best backcourts in college basketball, Robbie? Is it Baylor? Is it UNC? Is it Houston? Is it somebody that I didn't mention? Is it Miami, who I think is very underrated in this conversation? Who, where would you go? I would go Carolina just because, I mean, they play in the national title game. They bring all those guys back. I love their backcourt with Caleb Love, RJ Davis. Miami is really interesting. Because I, I'm fascinated to see the chemistry of the team this year after the Isaiah Wong NIL deal. I mean, it seems like everything is is all good. We'll see. Um, Nigel Pack certainly. Good. Oh, he re-upped. Exactly. <laughs> he, he renegotiated. Yeah. So then everything is good. Um, I would put Houston right there. I, Baylor, I, I need to see it first. They're very well could be the best. But until I've seen Keontae George play a college game, because I have not seen him play in high school, 
Um, it, it's tough for me, even though I like LJ Cryer and I like Adam Flagler, but I, I'm going UNC. I love their backcourt. T.O.? If you're going full backcourt, it's more than just the starters, right? Are we just talking to starting guards? Well, what, so however you want to do it. Case, all right, I'm going Baylor because of what's behind them, too. You look at Carolina, who's been proven behind those two. Not yeah, they much. play those. So, those dudes are going to play as much as they want. And same goes for Miami. And so I, I would go Baylor because, I mean, you look at some of the guys they're going to bring off the bench, too. Like, those guys can play. They're going to be able to send guys in waves. Uh, underrated backcourt, Texas is – I think Marcus Carr will take a little bit of a step, too. Texas will have a pretty good backcourt as well. Wow. Goodman? Yeah, I mean, I probably would go Baylor, I guess, just because Flagler's steady. I know what I'm going to get out of him. Cryer's done it. I mean, he's shot at a crazy rate. And I'm kind of – I'm with T.O. on everything with Keontae George other than the fact that the ball will be in his hands to make decisions at, at the end of the games. But he's terrific. He's terrific. Uh, he, he's a prolific scorer. Defensively, he'll probably be a liability this year, but most freshmen are. Uh, but I, I love those three. Yeah, you guys, I, you guys hate winning. No, hate I, winning. so I would I would go with North Carolina. I'm with you, Robbie. And the reason I say that is I think you have the perfect combination of a steady Eddie point guard that you know can get you 14 and six if you need it. You know was going to shoot like 40 something percent from three. That's not going to make crazy decisions it's not going to do dumb stuff and you also have a guy that can go out there and get you 27 and a half in a final four game if you need him to but you know there's going to be nights where he goes two for 15 and i think you kind of need that like explosive guy that could take a game over if you need him to take a game over but you also need someone that can you know kind I of like Seth trimble too coming off the bench for them yeah he's going to be good yeah no, i forgot good. about Seth. that's a good point he might he that's might be is, you think he's going to be ready Right away, I mean, he, he's just got to play ten minutes a game. That's all. That's right. Seven, eight, nine minutes a game, right. he'll be good. Right. The, yeah. The only thing is, is like, what Caleb Love are you going to get from night to night? Like, I'm with you. Know, that does vary. That you you does never vary. know. Hopefully, hopefully for Rob's and I's sake, March Caleb Love. Yeah. Well, yeah, <laughs> yeah you're not hiring March. You're, it's not. It's going to yeah. be. You're going to get March Caleb Love, and you're going to get three, uh, three yeah. games of November Caleb Love. And then you get a couple games of March Caleb Love, and you get two more of uh, November Caleb Love. That's uh. It'll be a roller coaster for us, Hummel. It's going to be a roller coaster. All right. We're, I do want to bring something train. up because I thought I thought Gottlieb made a really interesting point the other night where he said four men are the second Gottlieb most important. Gottlieb made an interesting Yeah, he said fours are the second most important. Point guards are the most important position in college basketball. Fours are the second most important position because you need a guy that can shoot. You need a guy that can be switchable. You need a guy that can be versatile. And those guys are exactly what NBA teams are looking for, which brings me to Jaime Hawkins. Is he the best However, you want to phrase it, big wing, combo forward, small, however, whatever you want to phrase that position, Goodman. Is he the best at that role in college basketball this year? I mean, only because, again, you know what you're going to get from him. You know, he's certainly not the most talented, right? I mean, Nick Smith is is incredibly talented on, on the offense. Aren't we talking about foreman? Yeah. Like, well, how did you get to Nick? Oh, I thought we were talking about wings. Well, like big wing, like Jaime Hawkins, big wing. You got to start reading the rundown, Doc. Or at I least mean, listen to what I say. <laughs> I try not to listen to. We're to talking that. about power forwards. Yeah, Nick Smith's awesome. Yeah, well, I don't right. know how. Like, I don't think Hawkins is a is really a four. I mean, I know he plays some four, but I, to me, I think of a more traditionally. If he can, he's a big wing. Fine. So, four spot. Uh, yeah, I mean, like Jaime to me is just one of those players that again, like, doesn't really have a position. Like that's the beauty of him. In, in a way is you just throw him out there. He's a, he's a baller, right? Like he's just a tough kid 
who will give you everything he's got. He did it last year. He was not at 100% or even close with the, with the ankle injuries. And I think if he is at 100% this year, there are a few guys uh, that, that are, that are going to be as stable and solid and consistent as him. But, and I think Gottlieb said this the other night, the big question for UCLA, and in full transparency, I picked UCLA to win the whole thing, um, do they have a, a, a dude? Do they have a guy that can just go get you one? Because Amari Bailey's not really that. He's not a great shooter. Tiger Campbell, he's shooting it better. But again, he's he's small. And now you're putting a lot of pressure on, on Jaime to be that guy, and he's never filled that role. Yep. T.O. I, I think I up. think you got to take him with a you got to take him up with a grain of salt though too because he was hurt all last year yeah. and we had that graphic up a second ago it was like shot what twenty seven percent last year like take that with a grain of salt I think he's going to jump back up to the previous year's number if he stays healthy and he gives you somebody who can go get you one like at the end of the game you need a bigger wing who can go get you one uh, look at who's one who wins these national championships last year Kansas Christian Brown Ochai they had guys that could go get them one right. Uh, even if they had to be set up a little bit. I, I think the one and the four are probably your biggest positions because, one, you have to be able to have so, a coach on the floor, basically, especially at the college level. At the NBA level, everything kind of flows into things, so it's a little different. In college, you have to have a point guard to settle your guys down. And in a four, because they're so valuable because they do so much. And for Jaime Jaquez to be that guy and to be able to get you a bucket – uh, he, he's got to be up there. I mean, you look at a couple of different four men around the country, how many are as offensively versatile as he is, especially when he's playing well and he's healthy. So yeah, I would he, have to agree. He can he can guard different positions as well. Speaking of Jaime, uh, T.O., you were able to catch up with uh, with Mr. Hawkins uh, earlier this, um, this fall. So we're going to go to that interview now. Hey, guys, my name is Terrence Oglesby. We are with the Field of 68. We have a special guest today with Jaime Hawkins. Preseason Field of 68 All-American, preseason Pac-12 Player of the Year. A lot of accolades for my man. First of all, thank you for coming on with me, Jaime. Second of all, congratulations on your – you've you've had a good career so far, and congratulations on all of that. Thank you very much. I appreciate Absolutely. Uh, we've talked a little bit to Mick Cronin. Mm-hmm. He talks about you – having a bigger role in the offense this year with Johnny Juzang now leaving with Jules Bernard now leaving, uh, you're going to be more of a focal point. Your assists have climbed every season. You've been on campus. Your points have climbed every since ever, ever since you've been on campus. Uh, how do you plan to approach that? And is that something that you and coach Cronin have talked about uh, as the season comes near? Um, yeah. I mean, starting from a freshman now becoming to a senior, I would hope I'd only get better um, from yeah. that point. So uh, yeah, I see all those numbers go up and, you know, it's just, I think a testament to getting older and just trying to get better every single year. Uh, that's something that I've been trying to do, um, every single off season, uh, just keep going harder and harder to try to improve, uh, my basketball skill set to the best they possibly could be. Now, another question going with that, because you're going to have so much added responsibility, are you healthy now? Cause last year you were dealing with, with some minor things, some injuries, mm-hmm. you powered through them. You're tough. You're uh-huh. a tough guy. Are you healthy now? And what was it this past offseason that you worked on to improve your game going into this season? So two-part question. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So I'm feeling a lot better now. I'm healthy now. Uh, last year, I had to deal with a lot of uh, ankle injuries um, that were not fun. Um, but I, I pushed through that, got surgery on my left one. Um, it's feeling a lot better now. Um, and then as far as basketball is concerned, I've just been working a lot on my jump shot. I didn't shoot the ball uh very well at all last year and I know that 
um, I can do a lot better. And uh, really, it's just been working on my my jump shot. And as as far as uh, defense is concerned, my lateral quickness, trying to be the best on ball defender that I can be. I like that. I like that. Looking at coming up this season, and you you obviously have opportunities being the scorer that you are to come back. What is your prime motivation? Uh, for this team this year the Bruins have talent once again even though the the face has changed the talent remains a constant right what's your motivation going into this year uh, for both uh, you and I I guess your expectations for you and the team Um, my expectations for myself and the team would have to uh, be going on another deep run in, in the tournament trying to win a national championship I think has always been the ultimate goal and one of the reasons why I came back. Um, and the way that we're going to do that as a team and as myself is I got to step up along with, you know, guys like Tiger, Dave, Jalen, um, and really try to teach these young guys what it means to, to win basketball games at the college level. They're all so young. Um, they're getting adjusted to this new system, new ideas, new concepts. And uh, as seniors and, and leaders of the team, we have to be there to help coach and help teach these guys and really bring them along because our success is going to be determined on how fast, you know, our, our guys can and learn these new concepts and these new things. And uh, it, it's been a fun process so far and I'm excited. The, the freshmen are, are looking great and uh, we're, we're all really excited to see what happens this year. Well, I'm glad you alluded to that because that was actually going to be my next question. You've got, you've got several really good freshmen, but two in particular, I want to ask you about uh-huh. uh, Adam Bona. I, I saw him over the circuit, yeah. big body, really athletic. What, what do you expect out of him and how has he progressed? Oh, he's tremendous, man. His motor is something that I can't talk about enough. He doesn't take a playoff. He's always going after the 50, 50 balls, getting on the floor, blocking shots, running back on defense. He's just an absolute freak of a big man. And uh, I, I couldn't be more happy to have him on our team. And then Omari is a super athlete as well. He's a, he's a ball hawk on defense. He's a really good on-ball defender as well. Um, and his offensive game speaks for itself. He's very crafty, very skilled, and, and can shoot the ball really well. I like it. And, and I want to talk about your game right now. I, I consider you, Jaime, I consider you one of the best isolation scorers in college basketball. And that's a skill that a lot of people think they have until you have to put pen to paper, basically, yeah. and really make it happen in the game. Uh-huh. I, I got to ask you, where did that come from? I know you come from a family full of basketball players. You're uh-huh. both your parents, I, I think, played at Concordia, right? Yeah, Concordia. Both, both your parents played at Concordia. Your sister's yeah. there on campus at UCLA now. Uh-huh. Is that where that came from, or is it something that you've consciously gone after and worked on? Uh, yeah, I think it definitely comes from my family. My dad was my coach, basically, all the way up until high school. Um, he always taught me uh, – to be a good scorer, you got to get to the free throw line, draw fouls, work your game inside and out. And, uh, you know, I kind of took that and ran with it. Uh, watched a lot of film on guys like Kobe Bryant. He's probably my biggest inspiration. Watching him, just his work in the post and his use of the jab step and and his craftiness of pump fakes and moves like that. Um, all really I try to do um, to put into my game. Jaime, thank you so much for joining us on the Field of 68. Congratulations. Best of luck uh, on your season at UCLA. You guys have high expectation once again. And uh, Jaime Jaquez will be leading the way. Back to the Field of 68. This was one of our All-Americans. We've got the other ones coming up too. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, 
Quick strategic thinking is crucial, and with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. That was Jaime Jaquez. I'm expecting a big season out of him. I know Jeff is. He predicted UCLA to win the national title. He said, bet all of your money on UCLA to win the national title at Bet Rivers. Um, all right, a couple things, uh, a couple more things in the forward spot before we unveil each of our preseason All-American teams. Goodman, I'm going to you first on this one. Outside of Jaquez, I feel like there aren't a lot of really proven guys at the forward spot, whether it's the three or the four, whatever you want to call it. So who, who do you think is the best player outside of him in that position in college basketball this season? Does it have to be a proven form? No, whoever doesn't matter. Give me, uh, give me some hot takes, man. I'm here for the spiciness. Brandon Miller for me. I, I absolutely love the kid. Uh, so I'm at the PHM and, and he and Nick Smith played together. Uh, I just, Brandon Miller to me is one of those guys. Now, again, it's going to depend on how Alabama utilizes him, right? That That's going to be incredibly important. I heard Patrick Young say it on our SEC preview that he might not fit the way Alabama plays because he is more of a mid-range shooter. But he can score off the bounce. He is incredibly skilled, incredibly smart. You can run stuff through him as a four-man. Uh, he's got kind of a little bit of like – Paul George in his game, a little bit. Like, again, they're different, obviously, but that type of player potentially down the road, more offensive-minded, not as good defensively today. But I think Brandon Miller, the freshman at Alabama, is going to be their best player, and he's going to be terrific this year. Yeah, T.O., you know let me ask wild? you this. He doesn't, have the same, he doesn't have the same game, but physically, if you went back and you've seen like this old grainy footage of Penny Hardaway, and then you looked at Brandon Mellon, like they look the same, yeah, the same yeah, body, body type, how they move. Yeah. Uh, obviously, different games, times have changed, all that. But Brandon Miller is really talented. He's got to certainly be up there. Tio, let me ask you this. Brandon Miller, Derek Whitehead, Cam Whitmore, three freshmen, three guys, all kind of that play the same position. Uh, rank them for me. The thing, Derek Whitehead is more directly, he's going to be able to score right away and he's going to have to for Duke. He's very talented. He's got a big body. He can play a role. He played at Montverde Academy with one of the best high school teams in history. So his ability to play within his, with other players and understand spacing and all that stuff is very valuable. If I'm picking somebody to make the biggest impact, I think Cam Whitmore because his physicality is going to make a huge impact at Villanova in year one of Kyle Neptune. I think he's going to make a huge impact just because of the type of player he is and how he fits in the Big East. That's going to be a big thing. But I think the most talented is Brandon Miller. I got to go with Jeff. I mm-hmm. mean, even when he played with Nick Smith, Nick Smith took a lot of that shine, right? Because but let's just call it what it is. He had 30-something in the championship game. He wasn't passing it much. He's but with Brandon, with, with Brandon Miller, when he has the ball in his hands a little bit more, I just think Nate Oates is going to find ways to get him in the, in the paint and then make some decisions. How he, Maybe not like he did with Herb Jones a few years ago, but just get him in there, create that first collapse of the defense, and then he's going to be a really good player because he has so many tools and he's so talented. Yeah. So I didn't really rank him there. I just gave you what they all did good. So I yeah. just didn't listen to what you wanted me to do at all. So, yeah, I'm, I'm used to it. I work with Jeff every single day. Uh, T.O. knows a lot about guys that don't want to pass as much. Robbie, you know a lot about guys that play the four spot in college. Uh, so break down this role for me. Do you think that it's 
Do you think Jaime Hawkins is the best player? Would you go with anybody else? Is there someone that we haven't mentioned yet that you think uh, does a little, deserves a little bit of credit? Yeah, I, I think Hawkins is the best. I, I, not to call him necessarily a four to pigeonhole because he plays the three plenty too. But if you're talking about that stretch four type position, I, I would go with him as the most experienced. I think like Terrence said, he was banged up last year. Shot 39% from three two years ago. And I agree with T.O. saying he'll get back to that number after not shooting as well last year with the, the ankle stuff. Jalen Wilson's got to be talked about at Kansas. He's a guy that has to be in that mix coming off the national championship. Um, I agree. Cam Whitmore is a guy that is going to play really well for for Villanova in the, in the new era of Villanova basketball. I'll throw out Pete Nance. I, I really like Pete Nance's game. I, and I think he fills into Brady Mack's hole really well in that lineup. He's super skilled. Um, he was moving better when I saw him the little that I did this summer. Cause he, I would say one of the critiques of Pete has been that he's just been a little rigid or stiff. Um, when you've seen him play, perhaps I, I thought he was, he was moving differently. Um, after spending some time in, in Chicago with some pro stuff, I'll throw his Julius Tubelis out there too. Mm-hmm. I, I, I think he could have a monster year for Arizona. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and I'll put Timmy Allen and Jack Nungy in there too. So, you know, I've, I'm the, I'm the the knowledge of the four position right here, being that I played. Did you the four did you get Chris well. Murray in there? I was about to say Chris. You know, Murray. I'm, I'm thinking of him as a three. So much I, I think of Chris Murray as a three, but I yeah. think Chris Murray is going to ball this year. To to first of all, you're not allowed to say anything nice about Chris Murray after you just completely dogged uh, Keegan throughout the entire draft process. Uh, Robbie, he said that Keegan Murray was the worst pick of any draft pick. Oh, wow. Made. Keegan Murray, Keegan Stop Murray, you don't have to run one play for him. You don't have, to run, the bus. You don't have to run one run play over. for Keegan Murray. It's rim runs. It's offensive rebounds. He'll post up. He's a beast. He yeah. is a beast. I think, was it you or Gio that made that point that everything that, that Keegan got was within the offense and that Chris yeah. can do all of the they, things? They, they ran an ISO for him, and then I saw him actually run for Chris in, in their exhibition game against Truman State the other night. Um, but that was like the only play that I really remember them running for him. It was all in the offense. It was catch and shoot threes, and it was rim runs, post ups, and offensive rebounds. Mm-hmm. Uh, to um, said wasn't that I blast wasn't I blasted for saying that he posted up? Yeah, yeah, you were blasted for a lot of things. Um, probably most of which is you said that if Keegan Murray played in the SEC, he would only be Jacob Toppin. Oh God! Um, all right. <laughs> oh, God. Well done. Well done. All right. Let's get into our All American teams. We're going to unveil them here because if we don't, producer Trevor is going to be so upset for making these really fancy graphics. So, uh, To, I'm going to put you on the hot seat on this one. I know that you went with a little bit of a different mindset in putting these teams together. So, uh, let's see what you got, man. I did. I. 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 I th- I'm still in the thoughts of, hey, it needs to be a team. Like, I can't have one guard and five big men. So, that being said, I did throw some curveballs in there. I have Keontae George because of all the things that I said earlier. I think he is going to be fantastic all year. He's in a You're all in on him. You might as well just go all in, right? I'm all in on Keontae George. I think he's really, really good. And then I'm going uh, curveball, Mike Miles, TCU. I think he is going to lead the Big 12 in scoring, and the Big 12 is the best conference in college basketball. At the three, I'm going Jaime Jaquez. We've talked about him probably 15 minutes in the show. I don't think I need to talk about him anymore. And then I have Armando Baycott and Oscar Sheboy. Hummel? Pretty basic here. We've talked about almost every dude. I thought the, I thought the picks were really cut and dry. I, I went Sasser, Jaime Jaquez, Drew Timmy, Armando Baycott, Oscar Sheboy. I, I have the same team. Goodman, Sasser, uh, Timmy Baycott, Oscar, 
Sasser, Nick Smith. So Nick Smith over Hawkins. I'm curious how you guys feel about this because when I when I do these teams, I think you can make a, an argument that the top five players in college backs, basketball this year are all centers. And I've seen some people, I don't want to name them because Jeff will kick me off the show, uh, put all five centers on first team All-America. Yeah. Uh, I, I, I don't like that. I think you can get that. away with saying that, like you could do two guards and three bigs, but I, yes. I think five centers, you you can't do that. It's got to be something. Could you do four bigs and one guard? No, can you get away with that? I like two and three. Yeah. Two that, and three is yeah. a good break. Listen, I'm with you. All I'm saying is sometimes it's hard because, like this year especially, you could make probably the first time ever you could make a valid case that the five best players are all post players. Mm-hmm. I just said that, so that's proof again that you don't listen to anything that I say. But I do have a I do have a question for you. <laughs> He's really driving that point home, yeah. Rob. Talk me talk me through Nick Smith. Talk me through Nick Smith and why and why you think he's going to be a first team All American because I I think that he's going to be very very good. Um, so just what is the thought? The process? upside is there, right? The upside is there. He is a six four, six five, maybe even um, electric combo. But I think he's more of a scoring guard. They, they, they try to sell him more as a combo who can play the point. I would much rather have him kind of like Anthony Edwards a few years ago. I, I felt like he was misused uh, having the ball in his hands and, and trying to play the point. To me, just have Anthony Black play the point and let Nick Smith attack because mm-hmm. that's when he's at his best. Let him attack. Let him drive. He can finish through contact. He's athletic. He can pull up from mid-range. Um he can shoot threes. Like, he's not a great three-point shooter, but he's a pretty darn good three-point shooter. So I think he can score in every way you you can imagine. Uh, but I worry about him. Here's what I worry about him. They have 11 new guys on their team. It's gonna so take I don't worry about, like, Nick Smith's talent. I worry more about Nick Smith being on a team with so many new dudes, freshmen, transfers, all trying to eat. And I, I just – I don't know if he's going to put up like consistent numbers. I, I do think, I, don't know. I, I think that he's going to be on, on the one hand, I think it's important to note that like two of the other big name freshmen are guys that are not going to be out there hunting shots. Like Anthony black is kind of a distributor uh, point guard. He plays with that mindset. Um, Jordan, uh, Jordan Walsh is like, he's a junkyard dog. He's going to get his points off of offense, the rebounds, yep. get his stuff in transition. And like T.O. and humble, you guys can speak to this more than I can, but what Musk loves to do is find a mismatch and go at that mismatch over and over and over and over and over. It's a little bit of an NBA mindset where they kind of uh, – he finds something he can exploit and he doesn't stop exploiting it until, you know, well, until he that wins was where I was. That was where I was going to go with it. Like, look what he did with J.D. Note last year. Mm-hmm. Like, in the tournament, it was ball screen, ball screen, get him downhill, find different ways, and he just beats it. Like, he, he just runs it down your throat. If he finds something to where – he has the better player and he's going to be able to get him in spots like Musk is going to keep going at that same action, same action, same action. It, it, it doesn't bother him a bit if one guy goes for 40 and you have a bunch of guys with six. Like Musk he's, is just going to continue doing that same thing. Go ahead, Rob. No, sorry. I thought you were done there. He, he seared that into my brain watching Nevada, whether it was the twins or, or Jordan Caroline. Those dudes were just taking turns and whoever was balling, it was their turn to get time, time to get their game on. It, you're totally right. Yep. All right. So we got about eight minutes left in the show. Uh, I have a couple of uh, questions I want to throw at you guys. Just uh, superlatives for players in college basketball this year. Good. I'm going to you first on this one. The toughest player in college basketball to stop this season. 
I mean, this is so easy. Like, honestly, I don't know how you can have another answer than this. Because if he gets the ball, and now he's got to get the ball, but if he gets the ball, I don't care who you are. You could be Oscar. You could be Hunter. You could be anybody. But if Zach Eady gets the damn ball in the post, this shit is over. It is over. And I want to see Hummel try to guard Edie in the post just <laughs> once this year in practice. I told him $500 in the line, 500 bucks. If Hummel I gets just, out I there. I just have to go out there. I mean, you got to go out there though. You can't be your usual defensive self. <laughs> you got to get one stop. Just take a charge. <laughs> yeah, you got to get one there stop. Oh, that was right. the 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 there was no stops. That. It was just go out there and guard him. And you said it for a thousand, you'd do it. A thousand. But seriously, is there any other answer that makes sense? No. I think, honestly, you could make the case for Shibway or maybe even Baycott because keeping them off the glass is insane. Those guys had so many 20-rebound games and and 15-rebound games last year. I I agree with you, but I think that you could say Baycott or Shibway rebounding-wise as well. I think you got to throw Baycott. I was going to say Baycott. I would throw him in there because he lives at the foul line. Yeah. I mean, his free throw attempts in ACC play were insane. And I don't have those numbers right in front of me right now, but he is a load inside. And not only that, he plays so physical that other guys are trying to keep up and they end up fouling. And he, he gets to the line, you know, seven, eight times a game. Yep. I, I had Zach Eady. I thought that that was a good one to uh, put the ball on that one pretty easily. All right, T.O., I'm going to you first on this one. Who is the most explosive scorer in college basketball this year? The guy that you would be uh, – that, that you're most afraid to give you 35 on any given night? There's a lot of guys, but it has to be a wing, right? That would kind of be my only thing. I think Marcus Sasser's up there, uh, especially if he's healthy. I, I didn't put him on my All-American team. I realize that, but I did that because of the, an injury for the whole back half of the year. So uh, he's got to be up there. San Diego State, Matt Bradley, he can score it. He's pretty good. Isaiah no, I asked for one, sir. I asked for one. <laughs> and I'm getting to it. I'm getting to it. I just have a lot of runners up. You know what I'm saying? I think uh, one of the best isolation scores in college basketball is Isaiah Wong at Miami. Because you, you get him coming off a sweeping action or some kind of dribble handoff. He's so fast and strong in his lower body, and he plays with such good balance. Uh, you saw what he could do. Uh, in the NCAA tournament from an isolation scoring standpoint. He's great at the end of the clock. I think you got to throw him in there. I was going to say Wong, but because T.O. took him, I think that's a really good pick. I'll go Caleb Love. I think he's going to shoot enough to to go for 35. (laughs) So I'll I'll say, you know, I'll go with him. But I think that Wong is a really good pick as well. Yep. Goodman? To me, you got to find a guy that's the guy on their team and they don't have enough else, right? So he's just going to be jacking every time. Brandon Murray at Georgetown. Look for a guy that's going to average 20-plus because they have no choice. And he, he's super talented. So I, I think Brandon Murray will be that guy that kind of comes out of nowhere and, and honestly could save Big Pat his job. We'll see. Mm-hmm. I, uh, I went with a little bit of a different approach on this one. Um, if you know anything about the way that Andy Kennedy coaches and the way that he plays, he loves to get these guards that he can run off of different screens that are willing to shoot it from 35 feet, uh, even if it means they shoot 33% from three and want to get up 25 to 30 shots a game. That is Jordan Jelly 
Walker. He averaged 20.3 points and five assists last season. I think he's going to see even better numbers for what is probably the best mid-major team in college basketball this season. All right, Hummel, you are the first one up on this one. I want your outside-of-the-box player of the year prediction, and that is the guy you think is the most likely to unseat Oscar Shibway, because I think we all agree Oscar Shibway has to be. I mean, can you go with anybody else's preseason player of the year? I think it's got to be him. No, I if he's if he's AP National Player of the Year last year and he's coming back to school, yep. I think in you know unless LeBron James is coming to college, you can't unseat him in in that <laughs> regard. Um, I don't know. This is I'll go. Dude, I don't know. I think this is a really crappy topic. Monster <laughs> <laughs> um, did the rundown. I can say any of these guys. Armando Baycott, Drew Timmy, Jaime Hawkins, well, Marcus Pick Sapper. one, man. How all hard four, is it? All four of my other first team All-Americans. Wait, not, wait not answer the question. Goodman, go ahead. I agree. It was a crappy topic. Oh my you wouldn't so, have said I'm anything with, if Hummel didn't. You're, now, you're, now you're just trying to bandwagon on with Hummel. Give me one. No, I, I'm, I'm deferring. Go ahead, T.O., oh, go first. Uh, it, it's hard because the thing with Oscar is, is he gets all of his stuff from effort and he's not going to play less hard because he doesn't have that in his DNA. So like, he's going to have a lot of the same numbers that he had this year. And then a little bit of an enhanced game. You're going to, I think you're going to see a very similar season to when Tyler Hansbro came back and then Tyler was trying to extend his range a little bit to 17, 18 feet. Do you remember that? Robbie, we were about we were at the same time. Like yep. whenever he decided to come back, he shot a lot of longer mid-range jumpers just to kind of prove, hey, it might be something to work with. I just because of the way he plays and the efforts there, I don't see anybody uh taking it away from him, quite frankly, I, unless somebody I, I, just averages crazy numbers. No, I so I think that if anyone's going to do it, it's going to be Sasser. Because if anyone's going to do it, it's going to be a guy that can lead a team to a national championship. And I think that if you look at that Houston roster, they are good enough to be able to um, to go out and win a national title. And if they do, he's the, clearly the best player. I think there's a non-zero chance we look back uh, in March and we say, wow, how did we not predict that, that Houston would be the best team in college basketball? So um, I think Sasser is the one guy. Uh, all right, real quick, we I got about a minute left. I think if, if we're going way out of the box, if, if TCU is able to win the Big 12, Mike Miles, like right. if they are. One guy – from each of you that is not on any preseason All-American teams, that is kind of off the radar right now, that you think has a chance to make a Johnny Davis, Keegan Murray kind of leap this season. Uh, Goodman, I'll go to you first on this. Jaden Gardner, Virginia. Uh, he averaged about 15 and 6 last year. Virginia struggled. They're going to be damn good this year. Tony Bennett's had a year to work with him, so now he's familiar with Bennett's system. Tony's familiar with him. Listen, 15 and six in a bad year. Like what if what if he goes 18 and seven and they win the ACC regular season title? You know, you got you got to put him in the mix. Mm -hmm. Hummel, I'm, I already talked about him. Now. I'm going to Julius Tubelis. Average 14 a game, six rebounds, much bigger role. Had a really good season in a poor NCAA tournament. I, I think he's going to have a monster season. He's not on any All-American teams. I'm going with two bells. I, I think uh, one of his teammates is going to have a really good year. Pele Larson had an incredible summer. I, I think he's a guy who could take a giant step forward. He's going to be featured a little bit more, and he's kind of that uh, – that swing player that can play both sides of the ball. He's an excellent defender, and I think you're going to see a little bit more offense this year. He's a guy that could sneak on. 
I got two guys. They ha- both happen to be teammates. They both happen to play for Creighton. I think Ryan Kalkbrenner is going to establish himself as the best defensive center in college basketball. I think we're going to be Kaluma. looking at him uh, similarly to the way that we looked at Walker Kessler last year and the way that he can anchor a defense. I think that Creighton's going to be a top five defense in college basketball. But I also think they are a top five team this season because I expect Arthur Kaluma to have a massive year. I think he is. Uh, probably the best NBA prospect on that roster. I expect him to shoot much better than the 27% he shot from three last year. And I think what we saw in the tournaments, both the Big East and the NCAA tournament, was just how good he can be this season as he kind of develops that confidence and gets used to playing at the Big East level. So, guys, listen, I appreciate you being here. Uh, T.O., always good to talk to you. Hummel, always great to talk to you. Goodman, uh, and we will see you guys again on, uh, on Monday this? afternoon. Right. On Monday Stop. afternoon. <laughs> College basketball season is here, baby. College basketball season. Bleep that out, Trevor. Bleep that out, please. <laughs>